Oh, what is the upskis, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 81, Phil the Philadelphia Kessel of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and the what's happenings in the NHL mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames because that's my favorite teams, but I could talk about any of the 32 teams in the league. So what are we talking about on this episode? Well, we will be talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their semi-struggles through um, the late part of December. I want to talk about the Montreal Canadiens because I feel like I have not talked about the Canadiens very much, so we're going to spend some time with the Montreal Canadiens. Got to talk about the Calgary Flames, Detroit, and their struggles throughout December. A winter classic has gone down, and someone retired and then not retired. Injury news and a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's dive into the hockey talk with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we know the big problem right now with the Leafs is Ilya Samsonov. He has been struggling mightily this season and just cannot find his game. And the Toronto Maple Leafs have sent down Ilya Samsonov down to the Marlies. He clears waivers. There was really no risk in him getting claimed. Uh, The contract's too heavy. And I think at the time of him getting sent down had the worst save percentage in the league. It wasn't good. It was very not good. And there's a lot of strange things with Ilya Samsonov this year. Uh, A lot of us knew, I mean, Capitals fans, they know about Ilya Samsonov when uh, they did not qualify him and they let him walk. Leafs brought him in, and everyone was saying, okay, with Ilya Samsonov, he has some pretty good highs, but when it goes down, when he goes to the lows, it can get really, really low, and we're experiencing that right now. We didn't really have to experience that very much last season with Ilya Samsonov. Just a pretty damn smooth season for him last year, and the pressure was on, very similar to this year. He was on a one-year show-me contract. He showed the Leafs. They gave him a bump in payment, but they didn't give him term, and the pressure is on him again this year to perform again, and it's not going so well. Why is this happening? I mean, it's definitely a head game thing because I was listening to a 32 Thoughts podcast and Friedman was discussing Ilya Samsonov and some people were suggesting that, oh, he can just he just needs some really good practices and to get the fundamentals back. And apparently he's been having great practices and looking really good. But when it comes to game time, it's just something's going wrong something in between the ears is off with Ilya Samsonov right now so they send him down it's kind of a 50-50 mix some people think that it's not going to work it kind of has been a mixed bag this season it's been very trendy this season for goaltenders to get sent down we saw Antti Ranta go down Jack Campbell went down in Edmonton Uh, they just sent down I think Eric Comrie in Buffalo so uh, this is part of the salary cap being so very tight. Uh, There are goaltenders available out there, but so many of the teams are so cap-strapped, they're right up against the cap. So their best options, uh, since they can't really make trades or any moves, is to kind of send them down, hope that they find their game down there, and come back up and be okay. It's, um, It's not a very good probability that the goalies will find their game down there like Jack Campbell is still down there and has not found his game anti Ranta not down there for very long um haven't really heard anything good about that either so we'll see how it goes for Samsonov am I overly concerned about it no honestly because 
I mean, Martin Jones got a shutout the other night against Los Angeles, a very, very good team, one of the best teams in the West. The Leafs are playing good in front of Jones, and I've been fine with Jones. I like the signing in the offseason when they brought him in. I was like, okay, I know his his goaltending statistics aren't great, but the guy can win regardless of putting up bad stats. So there's something that's that's a good asset right there. If you that's what you want out of your backup goaltender. Not necessarily performance, you just need wins. Get the wins. That's the most important thing. And Martin Jones has done that for the Leafs. He's come in while Wool is down, while Samsonov is struggling and Martin Jones has come in and been very very good. I think he has played very good, honestly. Um I think he's been better than Samsonov, and yeah, the only thing that sucks is that I have not heard a single thing about Joseph Wall since he's gone down. Like, there has been zero talk on this guy, so I don't know how much longer they're going to have to wait. They brought up the Hildebeast. He was on the bench there last night in the Los Angeles game. Uh, Great hair, but... I mean, people are freaking out that, oh, if he plays a game, they're going to ruin him and all that. I don't think that's the plan for this guy to come in and be the 1A goaltender. They got Martin Jones. Like, as as long as that guy can stay healthy, I think the Leafs are going to be okay. The big question now is, are they going to put Martin Jones in net tonight against the Anaheim Ducks back-to-back? I really see no harm in doing that. I don't even see any harm in putting Hildeby in against the Anaheim Ducks. It's the Anaheim Ducks. How bad could it really be? And Hildeby, I mean, he's a young goaltender, 22 years old. He's fucking a giant. He's like six foot seven, And yeah, he has the potential to be a good goaltender in the NHL, but it's still very, very early. We probably won't see anything much out of Hildeby for a few more seasons, I would imagine. But who knows? Maybe we see him in the net tonight. I wouldn't be against it. I think it's a great opportunity, rather. This game, like, give this... If you want to give Jones this game and work them back-to-back, then I think you should at least give them a tryout hill to be for the San Jose game. It's two pretty bottom-of-the-barrel teams here back-to-back, so, I mean, why not? I Just to see what he's like. Just to see. Like, what's... I don't see any harm in doing that. If he gets shelled, he gets shelled, and then at least you know, and, like, come on now. he's a He's a professional. He'll take it, and... He'll be fine, but I'm not worried. I know a lot of people were getting on the Leafs a little bit. They haven't looked the best over the last 10 games. They're like 4-4-2, but, you know, this is kind of common with the Leafs. When it comes around Christmas time, they kind of get into that little sleepy lull, but I watched the game last night, and I was encouraged. I was expecting them to come out of the winter break uh, firing, and they did exactly that with a 3-0 shutout against the Los Angeles Kings. So, yeah, I, I had no worry even before the 3 nothing shutout. I knew that they were going to, you know, play a little sleepy and, you know, they probably got a lot of other things on their mind right now. That's just kind of the way that the team has always been. But um, I'm expecting a strong January out of the Leafs. And, uh, yeah, they, they're just rolling right now. And the king of rolling on this team right now is Austin Matthews. This guy has been absolutely tearing the league apart. And I can't, I don't remember if I brought it up the last time with Austin Matthews, but the way that he is scoring goals right now, he could be on pace and basically is on pace to score 50 in 50. So my question is, do we think that Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews can score 50 and 50? Now he technically has done it already in his career, but that was over the course of two seasons where, you know, 
the final 20 or whatever, and then like the first 30 of the next season. So it's not an official 50 goals in 50 games, but at this point right now, he's got 29 goals. He's damn near at a goal per game. And if it goes off on, you know, maybe he gets another hat trick or two in the next week or two and really bumps up those numbers. I I can see Austin Matthews hitting 50 goals in 50 games at some point in his career. He looks unbelievable right now. Like ever since I called him, him and Mitch Marner out on the podcast, they have both been fantastic. Marner's been scoring goals. He looks really good, but Matthews right now, he's taking over games. He's dominating both ends of, well, dominating defensively is a little much, but he's been really good. Like he can, He's so good at taking the puck away. He's so good at keeping the puck. He's so flawless and smooth at entries into the zone. Like, he's having a great year, man. He just continues to build himself as an all-around player. We know he's got the goal scoring, but it's the 200-foot game that continues to develop. He's getting penalty kill time now, and it's great, man. He's having an unbelievable season. Willie Nylander continues to be amazing. And that's another thing that they brought up, actually, now that I just brought up William Nylander's name last night on the panel with, uh, I think it was Kiprios that was breaking this news, was that the latest talks with Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs contract-wise, it's going well, you know, relationships and talks have been going smoothly, no, no bad blood there, and it looks like uh, offer on the table is going to be eight years in and around $11 million per season, and it seems like both parties are satisfied with that. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, you know, before the season began, we were, I was losing my mind about them offering him $9 million. And now we're at $11 million. So in hindsight, might have been better to sign Nylander in the offseason, but that may not have been an option. Maybe Willie knew knew that he was going to light it up this season and he was going to wait and, and try and squeeze out every dollar that he can. I'm still of the belief that Yes, William Nylander is an unbelievable player. He is having the best season of his career right now. But I am of the belief that he this is going to be his best season. And he will still be very, very good after. But I just don't think he's going to reach uh, what he's done this season. That's my opinion. It's just, it's a simple matter of money. Like, money is a phenomenal motivator. And Willie is motivated to get that bag. He wants to get the money. He wants to make Matthews and Marner money. He's been the the third wheel of this fucking insane money-making machine with Tavares and, and Marner and Matthews making... Uh, 10 plus million dollars and William Nylander wants to be there too he kind of got undercut in the last deal um and I you know he's he's not wrong to want to get paid now he took a took a bit of a discount last time though it didn't when he signed it it wasn't a discount at the time but it became a discount but yeah it looks like they're um Leafs are willing to give him the money and Willie is is willing to stay with the Leafs and it's his best option with the extra year that the Leafs can offer him he's not going to get uh, for for other teams to offer up uh, the same amount of money with that year, they're going to have to offer Willie like 13 to $14 million per season. I don't think a team would be willing to do that. So I think more than ever, Willie is very safe to stay as a Toronto Maple Leaf, but is it the right move? Will that, let's just say, for example, if they have another not great playoff run and one of the big four doesn't perform, let's just say, for the sake of this conversation, let's say Marner doesn't perform and um, does one of those guys move. And 
you know, Marner's contract is coming up. He's kind of been like he's an amazing player, but there's just it just hasn't been the same with him for a while. I know he's extremely passionate and he cares a lot, but I think maybe it's getting in the way at times and I don't know, like I've always I've I just I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. Like we all know that Tavares is coming up to his contract and he's not going to make the same amount of money. I think he's going to make good money and he still deserves good money. He's still a fucking awesome player, but there's there's a limit to how many guys you can have making over $10 million on the team and like they they've gotten lucky in the past with the the depth finds with Michael Bunting and stuff like that where you can find found money but there's going to be a limit to that and um yeah I feel like after this season if if it if they don't have an unbelievable playoff run something's going to have to give one of those big four are going to have to go and I would be picking Marner over I don't know. It's it's such a hard decision between Nylander and Marner because they're they're hard to compare because Marner and Nylander are pretty different players. Uh, I don't know which one I would take uh, in a playoff. Like obviously Nylander's had a better uh, playoff history with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so I mean a lot of people would choose Willie. I think myself included. He's just had it more in the playoffs but thankfully I'm not in charge of having to make that decision not a decision I would have to want to make and I'm not saying that it is a decision they're planning on making or are going to make I just feel like at some point that decision is going to have to be made and I feel like Marner is going to be the one but we'll have to wait and see but 11 million dollars on the table for Nylander what do y'all think about that I mean it's a shitload of money. The cap is going up. Yes, Tavares' cap should be going down, but I don't know, man. It's a, it's a lot of money getting thrown around. We'll see how it goes. I love Willie, but oh man, that's a lot of money. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But that is the latest on the William Nylander situation. So let's move on to one of the Canadian teams. I feel like I just really haven't talked about all that much this season, and. That's the Montreal Canadiens. I really haven't spent a lot of time with them. They've been plucking along this season. They're basically 500. They're 16, 16, and 5. Currently 6th place in the Atlantic Division. And, you know, they're definitely doing better than people thought they were going to be this year. They're not do- They're not blowing fucking expectations out of the water or anything. But I think the team has performed better than expected considering some of the injuries that they've had. But let's take a look at the Montreal Canadiens and have they how they have done this season. Goals four per game. They're 23rd in the league at 2.78. Uh, been a little bit of a struggle for them scoring goals this year. I know that Cole Caulfield hasn't been putting the puck in the net the way that people would be expecting out of him. He's still having a fine season, but definitely not up to the standards that we've come to expect out of Cole. Uh, goal or Cole Caulfield. Goals against per game, they're 23rd as well, 3.38. Another thing, uh, earlier on, I mean, it's coming down a little bit now, but the goaltending early on in the season was quite good. Sam Montembeau was uh, putting up some really nice numbers. Power play, they're 21st, 18.6. Penalty kill, 30th. So, across the board, they're all, in every category, they're in the bottom half of the league. So, I mean, it's not that they're doing good or anything. It's, it's not like I don't think they're really going to be pushing or threatening for a playoff spot or anything. But it's encouraging. These are the kind of things you want to see in a young, up-and-coming team. But they have questions to answer with the Montreal Canadiens, especially in net. So, they have three goaltenders, Sam Montembeau, Caden Primo, and Jake Allen. 
Uh, each goaltender has gotten into a pretty decent amount of games. 17 for Montembeau, 13 for Allen, and 8 for Primo. So they have a three-goaltender rotation, not in a playoff spot, not threatening for a playoff spot, and other teams in the league are looking for goaltending, like um, New Jersey and others. So they're in a position to trade off a goaltender. Now, I do hear that the the asking price for goaltenders like Jake Allen or one of the goaltenders from Detroit, probably James Reimer, the price for them are very high. I don't know what the price is right now. I don't think it would be something like a first, but I think... Uh, they're asking for a prospect. Teams are looking to maybe pay a fifth round, sixth round, and and no, no, no. Uh, much more than that. So maybe second, third round pick type of situation and, a, and some sort of player uh, prospect and a late pick is maybe what they're asking for for a Jake Allen. So um, I would expect Montreal to make that trade at some point. I imagine Montreal and the teams are going to be waiting to see if the price will come down. Maybe some other goaltender comes ava- uh, becomes available at a lower price. But right now, they have three goaltenders. It looks like Montembeau is, is going to be the guy for them moving forward. They gave him the contract extension. He's played the most games, and he's not played bad. In 17 games, eight wins. 294 goals against average and a 903. So in and around league average, maybe a little bit below, but not bad considering the seasons that he had in previous years. Pretty good season so far for Montembeau. And then they have Caden Primo gotten into eight games, four wins, a 3.30 goals against, and an 898 save percentage. So not amazing, but not so bad that it's uh, unusable. I would say, like, I would be fine with a Caden Primo being the backup goaltender if Jake Allen got traded. And then there's Jake Allen, 13 games played, only the four wins, 340 goals against average, and a 903. So the goals against is the highest on the team, but the save percentage is tied for the for the highest. So, I don't know, looking at the numbers, Jake Allen definitely would be a sacrificable asset, I think, for the Montreal Canadiens. And it would be good for them to move him and just grab some assets, another pick, young prospects, something like that seems like the good move. Now, in terms of their four, their skaters, Nick Suzuki leading this team, the captain, and I love this guy. Nick Suzuki, awesome player, 37 games, 34 points, and leading the team right now in goals with 12. Pretty good. A minus eight, not amazing. I mean, uh, not, not the greatest, but always been known as a pretty damn good two-way forward. It's just, you know, the team doesn't have the best defense right now. A very young defensive core being led by Mike Matheson, who is playing over 25 minutes a game. Wouldn't be playing that many minutes on uh, most other teams' blue lines, but, you know, he is uh, thrust into that role and honestly not doing that bad. 37 games, got 27 points. Nothing wrong with that. A minus eight, you know, going up against the team's best competition it's a it's a hard job but I think Mike Matheson has done a good job considering he's playing a little bit over his uh, weight limit you know what I'm saying and then there's Cole Caulfield only the 11 goals in 37 games 27 points and just a zero on the plus minus so hasn't been a defensive liability which most people think that he is because he's a goal scorer but Apparently, it hasn't been that bad. Shooting percentage is a little bit lower than he would like it to be at 8.4%. Cole Caulfield is of the ability to go on a goal-scoring tear. He can put up a couple, uh, like a a handful of two-goal games and then get right back into uh, his regular goal-scoring ability. But people have projected uh, Cole Caulfield to be a 40, maybe even a 50-goal scorer in the NHL. Uh, Not so much this season. He's maybe on a 
he could probably hit 30 the way that he's going right now, which is not bad. I mean, 30 goals is 30 goals. That's great. But for Cole Caulfield, you're going to want that to uh, step up a little bit. Sean Monahan had a great start, slowed down, and then picked it back up. He's been really good. I mean, they could potentially trade a Sean Monahan. We'll see what happens with him. Uri Slavkovsky is up to 14 points now in 37 games, only four goals, but progressing along, man. Uh, it's it's going to be slow, but give it a couple more years and Uri Slavkovsky could be making an impact in the Montreal Canadiens top six. But for now, 14 points, almost like a point every other game, a little bit under that. Not bad, but I know people are going to be a little underwhelmed with those numbers. Now, Brendan Gallagher here, um, you know, obviously uh, a longtime Montreal Canadian fan favorite, but not having a good season whatsoever. 37 games, only 12 points, and a minus 17 on this team is by far the worst. The next closest is a minus 10. So, yeah, Brendan Gallagher having a rough year. He's been having a rough few seasons, honestly. Could he get traded finally out of Montreal? Um, for the sake of him, like, I know he loves playing for Montreal, but, you know, he would be a phenomenal ad for a team going on a playoff run. The guy screams playoff uh, player to me. He's very grimy and gritty, can get in there. I think a team, I, I think Montreal could get something pretty decent for Brendan Gallagher if they wanted to trade him away. And, yeah, so there's been some unfortunate injuries on the team as well. Obviously, Kirby Dock has only gotten into the two games this season. Feel terrible for him. Like, Kirby Dock, I think, was an excellent pickup. I thought it was crazy for Chicago to give him up, but they did. But, you know, in the games that he's played, he's been great for Montreal. Just hasn't played in that many. Arbor Jacki's only gotten into 17 games. Harvey Pinard's only gotten into 13 games so far. Yeah, so they've been dealing with some injury problems. Not not the best season, but I think it's a respectable season that the Montreal Canadiens have put together this year. They haven't been bottom of the barrel. They've been in most games. They have, uh, excuse me, getting dominated every single game. They've been better than expected, but yeah, it hasn't been uh, necessarily a insanely amazing season or anything, but it hasn't been that bad. So, you know, Montreal Canadiens, I felt like talking about them, so I talked about them. So let's talk about... The Calgary Flames. So, you know, kind of similar to the Montreal Canadiens. They're plucking along. Things aren't going very good for Calgary. Uh, Really, the only high spot with the Flames is that they brought up the young kids, and the young kids have been playing pretty good. When they brought up Dustin Wolf, he's looked good, and, you know, he looks like he's ready to take over the job. Blake Coleman has been ridiculous this season. He's been fantastic uh, over the last... I don't know. He's been fantastic all year. Like, he just continues to put up points every single game. Very impressed. He was a player that I was extremely excited for when they brought him in. I was like, oh, I like Blake Coleman. This guy does a little bit of everything. He scores. He hits. He's a little bit grimy. And, yeah, now he is leading the Calgary Flames in scoring. 37 games, 27 points. Not incredible. It's You know, other teams' leading scorers would be a little bit higher than that. But lately, Calgary has been spreading out the offense pretty decently. Like, Kadri's at 26, Elias Lindholm's at 24, Sharon Govich, 23, Mackenzie Wieger, 22, Andrew Mangiapane, 21. So, you know, guys are chipping in there. Just no one's really gone overboard. You know, no one's a point of game right now. But uh, fairly okay scoring across the board. Um mostly from uh, the younger guys have been pretty encouraging, at least anyway. Uh, But Jonathan Huberto, I don't want to pile on the guy. He's already had such a disastrous time here in Calgary, but 
the dude went on just an outrageous pointless streak. Let me see how many games, 12 games, Jonathan Huberdeau went without a single point. And this guy makes over $10 million per season. It is just absolutely unacceptable. I, I cannot fathom what is going on with this guy. Like, I, it is unbelievable how someone can go from 115 points to like a point every three games kind of guy. Like, this is probably the most drastic drop off in point production in NHL history. Like, I can't, I, I've never seen anything like this. Thankfully, he broke the schneid, he got a point, put up an assist, and then he got a goal in the next game. So now he's on a two game point streak. For the love of God, Huberto, please, for the love of God, find it. Just find it. Just get respectable. Like, this is going so much, like, this is so much worse than the Jeff Jeff Skinner situation when that first, uh, that contract first got signed. They brought in Jeff Skinner to Buffalo, a 30, 35, maybe 40 goal scorer, and then he came in. He was just abysmal, but he eventually turned it around. In the last couple seasons with Buffalo, Jeff Skinner's been really fucking good, and I'm hoping that Huberto can, can have something like this happen, like, even with the influxion of young players, like it did nothing for him. The changing of the coach did nothing for him. And that was the big excuse last year is, oh, he just didn't work well with um, Sutter. And now he's gone. He's still like, like 12 fucking games, man. That is, I don't want to be an asshole to the guy, but that is just fucking just insane. Like you might like, I don't like, I would be like, is scratching him even an option? Like what? Would that help? Like, I doubt that would help. I just, I don't know, man. I am blown away with Jonathan Huberto. 17 points in 37 games. A minus 14. Like, it is the biggest boat anchor contract in all of the NHL. There's nothing the Flames can do with it. You can't, like, if you buy it out, it's just going to hinder the team more so than having Huberto play on it. So, they really just got to sit here and eat it. And it's just beginning. And it just continue like it just seems to keep getting worse like it's shocking to me like he came in and I knew it was going to be a a while before he got adjusted but this is getting to just I have no idea what you can really do with this like this is so fucking bad like I'm hoping that he can turn it around at some point but uh it really at this point just looks like um absolute fucking failure of a signing and we were all so excited when that trade went down like it seemed like the flames were gonna lose everything for nothing and then this trade happens they get some assets back at least Mackenzie Weger has been really good this season but my goodness man like it's not just it's the money like the money that they're paying Huberto is astronomical and they are not getting even a quarter of their money's worth out of what Huberto is doing for them right now. Like, he's not helping the power play out at all. They're 30th in the league. Like, their penalty kill's good, but he's not on that, and they're he's not helping them score goals whatsoever, and that's what he came in here for. I know he's a playmaker, always been a playmaker, and there are not any, like, bonafide goal scorers on this team. I understand that is a major issue, but hopefully Coronado will take a step up next season it didn't work out this year but yeah man it just continued the flames continue to just be 
very middling like they're they're out but they continue to have like just a little bit of the window open for a playoff spot but I have I've had no confidence in them you know opening up that window and going for it I am discouraging them to even think about opening that window and trying to go for it you need to sell off any and all assets that you can now trade off Hannafin trade off Lindholm send Lindholm to fucking Colorado we know that's where he's going and we need to temper our expectations as to what the Flames are going to get back for Hannafin and and um, Lindholm. I don't think it's going to be amazing. You might be able to squeeze out a first-round pick for uh, one of, if not both of them, but it's not going to be a great first-round pick. It's going to be a late first-round pick from playoff team, and I don't think they're going to get a whole lot more. Like, Lindholm isn't blowing the fucking... Like, he's not playing amazing either. He's been okay, and he's only been okay for the last couple seasons. After he lost his amazing wing uh, wingers in Goudreau and Kachuk he's just been okay so he clearly isn't a guy that can drive a line all by himself if you give him some good wingers then yeah you're gonna have an awesome second line Colorado has the assets to do that they can bring in Lindholm give color uh give Calgary assets and they can provide Lindholm with some quality wingers so it's it's the match that everyone seems to be uh, going with also Boston would be uh, very interesting for Lindholm to go to, but Boston, they just don't really have uh, the assets that I'm interested in. I think Colorado has some young players and better draft picks uh, than Boston, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where that one goes. But I, ju- I just don't think that the Flames are going to get the sun and the moon that some people think they're going to get for Hannafin and Lindholm. They're like, oh, they're going to get a first and a top-end prospect. It's like, I think you might get one of those things. I don't think you're going to get both unless Lindholm just starts to tear it up, and he's just been okay. So I don't see it. Even Noah Hannafin, he's just kind of been like, okay. Um, I mean, maybe with if, he, if he's been on the penalty kill a lot, their penalty kill number's been really good, so that could help his value. But again, I don't think the Flames are going to get like, a game-changing package for these players, but it will definitely help in the in the rebuild in the long run. But yeah, it, it's it's got to happen. They'll they'll definitely be trading off those assets at some point. Speaking of assets, the Washington Capitals add a asset in Ethan Bear, right-handed shot defenseman. I I was a little bit curious with this one. I was wondering if the Leafs maybe would take a swing at him. But once we saw the contract that uh, he got, I understand why the Leafs weren't in on him anymore. Ethan Bear getting a two-year, $2 million contract from the Washington Capitals. Uh, a, a fair payment, I guess. Like, I don't know very much about Ethan Bear. He hasn't played a ton. But apparently a solid top six defenseman option can play top four. And Washington in need of defense, so... There's been a connection with Ethan Bear and the Capitals for quite some time. He's been practicing in the area. It was only a matter of time before they got him signed, and there he is. So now he is signed and good to go for the Washington Capitals, which is cool. Good to see Ethan Bear back in the NHL. And on a sadder note, a guy we won't be seeing in the NHL no more is... Uh, at least playing anyway will be Nolan Patrick, former first, second, second overall pick by the Philadelphia Flyers. And this is just a tragic... Really sad situation with Nolan Patrick. Second overall pick, had a ton of potential, man. Like, this guy was going to be a very big deal uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers in their their future, but injuries just absolutely plagued poor Nolan Patrick. He just 
couldn't get healthy and it looks like his NHL career is done but his career with hockey is not done he is going to continue on with player development and he is going to stay around with the game obviously he has knowledge he has skills that he can pass off to other people which is great I'm very happy to see that he hasn't given up on hockey and I imagine his mindset is that I'm not done with the NHL maybe one day I can come back and play which is a great attitude and everything but A lot of the big people say that it is very, very unlikely that he will play in the NHL again, which is extremely sad. I don't want to, I wouldn't call him necessarily a bust, more so just an unfortunate injury situation. Like, I think without injuries, he would be a fantastic player. We saw what he can do in juniors. He was a dominating force down there, and it looked like he was going to translate well into the NHL, but... You know, honestly, ever since him not getting picked first overall in that draft, things just kind of seemed a little bit off, and he sure goes first to New Jersey instead. That was the year of Kale McCarr, where a lot of people were like, oh my god, Kale McCarr goes like fourth or something in that draft, which was, in hindsight, insane, but that's how good Nolan Patrick was, man. Like, he was a very, very highly touted prospect, and sadly, that's over, and he's only 25 years old, which, again, just really sucks, man, so, you know... Just uh, really, really unfortunate. Really sad news to hear stuff like that. A young player's uh, dreams are getting squashed in in a way, but you know, a different door has opened for him. So, so thankfully, he can continue on with being involved in hockey, which is great. Speaking of great, the PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, had their first games this week. Uh, New York played Toronto. I think Toronto lost in a shoot uh, shutout uh, loss anyway. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, My buddy Kyle said he watched it. He said he enjoyed the hockey. The hockey was good, but the jerseys were ugly, which, yeah, I've I've heard that uh, quite a few different areas. The jerseys are very underwhelming. I talked about that before when they did the unveiling. Uh, I don't even think they have names for the teams yet. They're just Toronto and New York. Uh, There's only six teams. It's a start. Like, it's a brand new league. Things aren't going to be exactly the way the way they want it it's got to develop and find their way it's it'll take a minute but i'm happy that it's it's here it's begun uh i heard that the ratings were good uh, at least for their first night now i didn't hear about the ratings uh with them going up against nhl games because they were going to be on at the same time so i haven't heard anything about those numbers if if they just were really really bad numbers because nhl games were being played If, if there's a way that they can you know, kind of give the women their own time to be viewed and the men their time or have a good balance. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's good to see that the PWHL is off and running. They're playing games now, and that is awesome. And speaking of awesome, Mark andre Fleury. Now, he is just awesome in general, but it is also awesome the fact that he has played 1,000 games in the NHL, which is nothing short of an amazing feat for a goaltender. Very, very difficult to play in that many games. And Marc-Andre Fleury is going to go down as one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. He is up there in the wins. He is on pace. I think he's about to pass uh, Patrick Waugh uh, in wins, which a couple seasons ago looked like it wasn't going to happen. But Marc-Andre Fleury continues to play. It seems like this is going to be his last season, but who knows? We said that a couple years ago, and he's continued to play. But... Marc-Andre Fleury, man, 1,000 game played, uh, an amazing career so far, and we'll see what goes on with Minnesota. Some things went down with them this uh, this past week. Uh, Ryan Hartman's been fined 
for his high sticking on Cole Perfetti in the Winnipeg game. And there's some controversy behind this because during the face-off, I believe Hartman was mic'd up. And you can hear him clearly saying to Perfetti, I am going to injure you because you guys injured this player. Uh, uh, Kaprasov got injured. So he's like, I'm going to hurt you on purpose. So be ready. And then he did it. So yeah, he got in trouble for that. And you know, that's... That's really nothing new in the NHL. That's kind of always been a thing. The players kind of policing their own game. You hurt my star, I'm going to hurt your star. So that's kind of always been a thing with the NHL. I'm not overly shocked about it or anything. It's a shitty play and, you know, it really uh, not ideal for it to get caught on microphone like that. But yeah, Hartman getting fined. It's a slap on the wrist for him. $5,000 when you're making, you know, $4 million a year. Uh, it's not going to really perturb him to not smack someone in the head with a stick ever again. But yeah, so that goes down. Also going down this week, or that might have been last week now because I haven't done this in two weeks, but Bedard and Zegris scoring a Michigan goal on the same night. Pretty fucking awesome. Uh, didn't hear a lot of the old bastards coming out of the of the work saying oh it's not my hockey game blah 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 no lacrosse style goals I think it's awesome for the game it's incredibly difficult to do it's not impossible to defend it like I think it's rather easy to defend a Michigan goal all you would have to do as a defenseman is touch the guy bump him touch his stick do anything to knock that puck off it's a puck on a stick it's pretty easy to knock it off um, and goaltenders, you know, if you're aware of it, you, you got to get your shoulder up on that, on that top crossbar to block it. But I don't have any problem whatsoever with the Michigan goal. I think it's awesome. I think, um, we're, we're on, we're getting there to where we're going to start seeing some other form. Like we saw already with the Dishigan where Zegris passed it off and did some really crazy shit. But I think it was just really cool that Bedard and Zegris, two of the young up and coming uh, new age players of the NHL both doing Michigans on the same night. I think that's really awesome. Uh, both of them were fantastic. I think they're both ridiculous. It's extremely hard to do. I've seen other players try it and fail. I've seen Austin Matthews try it and he failed. And uh, yeah, man, uh, Zegra seems to be the king of it right now. Svechnikov, I think, has done it a couple times now. But yeah, that on top of that, since I'm talking about Zegris, he has come back, and he's been playing good now. He started the season just horrendous. Turns out he was injured, he left, uh, got healthy, and now he's back. He's putting up points again, so that's encouraging. The Ducks uh, still have no chance of making the playoffs, but it is at least encouraging to see Zegris starting to play like Trevor Zegris again. So that's that's encouraging, that's good. Speaking of good, we have a, a couple of neat little things that went down this week. So we'll start with Chris Letang first. He is the first NHL defenseman to have five points in one period. He had five assists in, in one period, six assists total for the for that game. So one hell of a game for Chris Letang. He's having an okay season. Obviously, he... He was knowing with Eric Carlson coming in, he's going to be taking a little bit of a hit in terms of offensive production because Eric Carlson's going to be taking over that top power play. But goddamn, man, five assists in one period, that is some mighty fine work. And on top of that, Eric Carlson has 600 career assists. So congratulations to Eric Carlson. That is a fuckload of assists. And we have... Nathan McKinnon's point streak has finally come to an end. He has been on an absolute tear, just wrecking up the league. 
He had a 19-game point streak ended. He had 13 goals, 23 assists, 36 points during that spree. Just an unbelievable, uh, just a crazy streak of hockey being played right there by Nathan McKinnon. Uh, right now, it is him and Nikita Kucherov battling it out for the points leader. Nikita Kucherov continues to just be Nikita Kucherov this season, putting up a shitload of points, having an unbelievable season. But Nathan McKinnon, Climbing up there, but we also have to remember fucking Connor McDavid is flying up the points board. I think he was like 18th a few weeks ago, and now he is third place and flying up the up the boards. I think he had five points the other game. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to um in a couple of weeks, maybe to see, maybe even a week, uh, a couple weeks at least, to uh, see McDavid uh very close, if not past uh <laughs> Kucherov and uh, McKinnon because McDavid is on a mission right now. Edmonton is on a mission. They're winning games again. They've, they've been a little bit streaky, but they're winning a lot more than they're losing. So that's really cool. So Edmonton doing really good. And I guess I will talk about the World Juniors that is going on. I, I rarely ever get to watch the World Juniors. I'm generally always working. And the game times are always on really, really ridiculous times. Like four in the morning. It's just I never get to watch these games, but... So Canada is out. They got eliminated by the Czechs. Very disappointing. But, you know, it's the other teams are just getting a lot better now. Like the United States is a powerhouse. Sweden, the Czechs, even, um, well, Finland's always been like, there's just the competition's getting better and better. And Canada isn't like the powerhouse like the women's uh, Canada team is. But they did pretty okay. I mean, uh, Celebrini did pretty damn good. He had eight points in five games. Uh, no one else really from Canada stood out, at least from what I'm looking at statistically wise. Uh, other guys, though, some other guys having some really good runs. Uh, Mesar, Petrovisky, they both have nine points in five games. So does uh, Gauthier, Howard, Brindley. Uh, not Brindley, they got uh, nine points. Uh, Brindley's got eight points. Lecker, Lecker, Rimaki, Nazar, Perot, Stenberg, Malofsky. I'm trying to see if there's any. Snuggerud, I know that name. I love that name. Yeah, there's definitely uh, some names here. Dvorsky, I think. Uh, oh, who picked that guy? I forget. But yeah, no, there's some names here that I, I do recognize. Uh, obviously, Celebrini is going to be the big one. He was uh, one of the youngest guys in the tournament, I do believe, and he performed really well. So someone's going to be really excited to get him first overall in the draft. But uh, yeah, Canada not doing awesome, uh, not winning. So that's, you know, not awesome. I think the the finals is going to be Sweden-US, so that could be a really good game right there. Probably won't be checking it out. I just... Uh, I, I like watching it when I can. It's just that it's never on at a time that I can watch them, which sucks. But there it is. Speaking of sucks, we got some injury news to talk about here. Uh, Eric um, Anaheim's Leo Carlson will be out four to six weeks. He sprained his MCL. Very unfortunate. I hate seeing uh, players in their first rookie season get injured, like Connor McDavid. That was just devastating. But um, yeah, Leo Carlson, he was already doing the load management with Anaheim, and it seemed to be actually working out pretty well for them. So it's not like a huge loss for the team or anything. They weren't doing awesome, but sucks for Carlson that he's going to be missing out on a good chunk of the rest of the season. Also, Columbus's 
<sighs> Wierenski is injured again. I mean, this guy has just been injury prone for quite a bit now. He just cannot stay healthy. And Columbus desperately needs Wierenski in their lineup. He is their best player. And that's going to suck for them. It's going to make their already underwhelming season continue, I imagine, to be underwhelming. Buffalo already kind of mentioned this one. Comrie got waived, probably cleared, or he did clear. I don't think anyone was going to be picking him up with that $2 million contract, which, again, continues with a trend. I don't know if they were sending him down necessarily for a mental reset, but that is a situation. I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams... Uh, very interested in bringing in Comrie for their for his services. I think he's. A, I thought he was a solid goaltender, especially in Winnipeg. He was pretty fucking good over there. But seems like uh, he's not a starting goaltender option. You would want him to be probably a backup would be the best role for him. We'll see if anyone out there is going to try and add him down the line and also the winter classic went down i haven't really mentioned this one uh, they unveiled the jerseys quite a long time ago and i i thought both of them were pretty decent i i really did like the the seattle one it was pretty nice looking and the game goes down i didn't check it out uh winter classics i don't know uh they're they're not my favorite they're uh they're they're just kind of okay like i i the, the magic for me is over. Like, when they first started, I was like, oh, this is so fucking cool. I'll always remember, like, the Jose or Jose Theodore with the, the toque over his helmet. That was just so iconic, so fucking cool. I don't, just nothing's going to top how cool that one was for me. So I didn't check this one out. It ended up, by the sounds of it, being a pretty boring game. The Kraken win it 3 nothing. So, I mean, good for the Kraken. They've been playing better. Uh, and, uh... Yeah, so yeah, Winter Classic went down if you watched it. What'd you think of it? I'm I I just I'm not into the whole Winter Classic thing anymore. It's it's fine. Like it was cool that it was going on. Like I like the kind of afternoon games. They're pretty fun. But I was going to work. So I didn't have time to check out that game. And there's one other thing I feel like discussing today and that is the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll take a look at Detroit who, you know, they came out of the gates fucking on fire this season. Uh, DeBrincat was amazing, and they brought in Patrick Kane, and I'm not saying that Patrick Kane is the reason for their struggles, but they had a not good December, and it kind of looks like um, they're, they're kind of falling out of contention right here. So December started pretty decently for Detroit. They kicked it off with a couple of back-to-back wins. They're on a three-game winning streak, and then they went on a three-game losing streak. They won one game and then went on a four-game losing streak, won another game, two-game losing streak, win, loss, and now a win to uh, begin January. So yeah, that's the kind of month that can really put uh, pretty much eliminate what they did in the early part of the season, getting those big wins early. And yeah, so they've, they've fallen off. Their goals um, four per game is 26th in the league. Goals against is 26th. Uh, their special teams have been pretty solid. 22% on the power play, 12th in the league right there. And their penalty kill at 13th, 80%. Not horrible. And I know a lot of people want to put it uh, a lot of the blame on Patrick Kane, but I mean, he's come in, he's done nothing but put up a fucking point per game. He's got 13 points in 14 games, which is so much better than I could have ever expected out of Patrick Kane. So, I mean, he's been a really good addition for them. Six goals, seven assists. He's a minus three, which isn't 
bad. It's not good. Uh, there's there's a lot worse minuses on the team, like Shane Gossespierre is a minus 17, which is really bad. That's just bad. You can't really, you can't really uh, hide that one, but... Yeah, the team really, since uh, Dylan Larkin's injury there, uh, that seemed to really take a bite out of Dylan Larkin. He's not playing with the same confidence that he had after after that hit. And uh, yeah, DeBrincat has slowed down with the goals. He's still 38 points in 38 games, still having an excellent season. Lucas Raymond has bounced back. He's having a good year, 38 games, 31 points, 11 goals, 20 assists. He has a minus 10, which isn't awesome, but... I mean, yeah, Daniel Sprong, man, like, this guy continues to be just a really unique player in the NHL. He does not play a lot of time, but he puts up points. He's got 24 points in 38 games, and he's only playing 13 minutes per night. I mean, it's wild. Cider had a nice bounce-back season uh, so far. Jake Wallman's been really good. Like, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with that guy, but... Yeah, it, it seems like the team is starting to fall back a little bit here. They're fifth in the Atlantic, 18, 16, and 4. I mean, it, it's not over. It's just like the way that they're playing lately, that December is going to be a pretty big hindrance on them uh, going down. We'll take a look at the wild card here. They're they're down there now, man. Like They're, they're very tightly knit uh, between the top wild card and their position at sixth place. Philadelphia has 43 points, Detroit has 40, and then Pittsburgh, New Jersey, they're both tied with 40 points apiece, but they have games in hand. Tampa Bay, they're kind of resurging, trying to get back into a playoff picture, they're at 41 points, and Washington, I can't see them staying there for much longer, like, I'm, I'm blown away that they're still up there, but they're hanging on, Philadelphia, they're fucking good, man, like, they're just a good team this year, it's really wild, I mean, I'm looking at the teams ahead of Detroit, like New Jersey, if they can get their goaltending under control, they should be a playoff team. Tampa Bay, they got Vasilevsky back. They're going to be really hard to pass. Pittsburgh's got Crosby and Malkin. It's a tough battle, man. It's going to be really hard for Detroit to battle back in there. And it's the Atlantic division too. Like, it's not like, it's very unlikely that Toronto, Florida, or Boston are going to fall out of that top three. And like I said, you're going to be battling with a Tampa Bay I don't think Montreal is really going to be a threat to them anymore, but Tampa Bay is definitely a threat for their their chances at the playoffs. So uh, it looks like it's probably, it might be another year similar to last season where uh, just at a point where it gets close to the trade deadline, Stevie Y decides, all right, we're not making it this year. Let's trade off the assets that we can and recoup what we can and try again next season. But it was really exciting for Detroit at the beginning uh, they were the lowest out of the three of Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit. Out of those three teams, I had Detroit the lowest uh, of chances of making it into the playoffs this season. But so they've been the best team of those three by far. Like, Buffalo is just woof, and Ottawa even more woof. So, yeah, it's been it's been rough for them. But, it, you know, it's still got to be really frustrating for Detroit fans uh, to just continuously see this team, like, take little itty bitty steps forward but just can't take that big step and that's the hardest step to take man from from rebuild to back into the playoffs and then the other big step to Stanley Cup those are very big very difficult steps to take and even like look at New Jersey for example even if you do finally take that step doesn't mean that you're going to be there forever New Jersey is struggling this year to get back into a playoff spot they're they're not dead they're playing good but 
Detroit has a has a mighty task ahead of them to try and battle back into a playoff spot. We'll see how it goes. What do y'all think? Do you think Detroit can battle back, uh, beat out Tampa Bay? Washington falls out. Can they get ahead of Philadelphia? I don't know, man. Like. Uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely going to be tough. I look at Detroit. The goaltending's been not good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes for Detroit. They've been kind of underwhelming. Some of the, like, David Perron with his big suspension that took a bite out of the team. And other guys like uh, JT Comfer and, oh, there's another guy. Anyways, they're not getting excellent performances out of some of their middle six guys, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens with Detroit. We'll keep an eye on them. I'm rooting for them. I mean, it's always good to have Detroit back in the playoffs, but so far, to me, doesn't look so good for them. But yeah, there we go, everybody. I think that's everything I want to cover for today. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. You are awesome. You want to be even more awesome, and make sure you're hitting that review, hit the stars, like the whatever you got to do. Just, you know, rate and review the podcast accordingly. Don't just... You know, be honest. If there's something you don't like, let me know, and I could try and fix it and shit like that. Uh, in terms of what we have planned for the GX Plus cast this week, we're going to be doing the XE Awards for the Gamer Cast this week, my yearly award show for video games, movies, and TV shows, mainly video games. I think I have 11 or 12 awards I will be giving out on that show. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to do it. It's a show I've been prepping and working on all year long, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about and, you know, have a retrospective of the year that was 2023 and all the games that I played and all the great experiences that I had and some of the not-so-great experiences, obviously. So that is on the docket this week for the GamerCast. I have a bunch of plans uh, for episodes uh, for January. It looks like I'm already pretty loaded up for January with my episode ideas, so that's good. The WrestleCast, we had um, pay-per-view was on the just the normal WrestleCast episode uh, this past week because they didn't have a Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, so I just squeezed it into the recap, so we, did, so we had a longer episode, so that's over there. If you want to check out the review for, fuck, what was that pay-per-view called? I don't know, there's an AEW pay-per-view called something, and I reviewed it, so you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we got... I don't think there's any... Every time I say I don't think there's any pay-per-views for wrestling, there's always a pay-per-view, so there might be one. If there is one and it's worth an episode, I'll do an episode reviewing that, but the wrestling recap will be there for you this week as well. And yeah, everybody, so again, thank you so much for listening and watching and all that great stuff. It was an amazing January or December for the GX Plus cast by far the best month I've ever had with this podcast. We exploded... I think it was like 400 downloads we had this month. Just an excellent number for me. I mean, that's that's awesome. So again, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be doing uh, the the season finale is the XE's Award. So we'll be moving into my third season of the GX Plus cast after this weekend. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to my third season. It's been a ton of fun. I love doing this. A lot of fun. I love just spending an hour talking about the my three favorite things. So uh, I hope you're sticking around. And yeah, so we'll be back again soon with some more GX Plus Guest.